So uh, what we're going to do uh, this evening is we're going to pick up where we were this morning. So James, if you want to drop that screen, uh, we'll go into uh, what we were looking at together this morning, which was actually the placement of Jude in our Bible. And uh, we are, uh, when we left this morning, we had got to the reality epistles, and we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Um, I want to mention that uh, we are taking up an offering. Uh, you know, we, we haven't passed a, a plate in a long, long time. I thank you all for continuing to give your tithes and your uh, faith promise and even offerings. I'm thankful that uh, God just continues to work in our hearts in this way, and it really is a blessing. Uh, what, what we're hoping to do is to help the Edge Christian Camp to be able to purchase a van that they need for the ministry. So um, I, we won't uh, take up an offering. We won't actually take up an offering probably tonight, but you can just um, drop it in as you drop in your tithes and everything on your way out. You can just drop in offerings for the Edge. If you just mark just the Edge van, that's all you got to do. And we'll collect here uh, this week and maybe again next week and just want to be a help to them. And I know many of you uh, want to be able to be involved in that. And uh, I'm encouraged that we get a chance to be able to do that. So, uh, so James has uh, put us on the right slide. And uh, I told him I might back up a little bit. And he said how far Jeff Dryley was here. He said to Genesis. But I actually think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to... So this is where we were when we left this morning. Um, what I'd like you to see on this slide is this foundational... And you're going to see this again in a little while in a slide that shows foundations and then building upon it. But this book right here, the reality, the reality epistles, the general epistles from Hebrews to Jude... The reality of the promises exposed. What do you really have? Again, this is the third section. If you were here this morning, this is the third section of the epistles. The first section of the epistles is the, is the church epistles, and the church epistles deal with the message. Starting in the book of Romans, which we've been studying together, Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, on Tuesday night, the, in the normal Christian life. And um, it, it really has been a tremendous blessing for so many, and it's been a tremendous blessing to me that it's been a tremendous blessing for so many. I was going to go back, I, told, I actually told James I'd probably go all the way back to the Gospels and then Acts, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to go back to those slides for the sake of time, but it really is important to you that you understand that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, the Christ has come. The Christ, this is the promise of God. I will forgive you your sins, and I'll give you a new heart. That's, that's God's promise. By the way, listen, that's God's promise to everybody on the earth today. I'll forgive you your sins, and I'll give you a new heart. I'll pay for your sins, and then I'll live inside you, and I'll change everything. That's how much God is committed to salvation. I'll pay for it, and then I'll live in you, and I'll change you from the inside out. That's real salvation. That's what God is doing. That's what God has done. If you're born again, even if you don't understand these things, kind of like, you know, one of the, I remember that song. You know, it's funny, you know, Don fits into that no longer brown hair club, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I remember when we were baby Christians, um, we used to just sit in a circle and Don would play the guitar and sing. 
and it was just wonderful. Just sitting, you know, those of you, by the way, that can play the guitar uh, and worship God with a guitar in your hand, play the guitar and worship God with a guitar in your hand. Bring it wherever you go. Spend time with, when you spend time with your friends. Say, hey, let's let's open the Bible for a minute and let's sing. Uh, young people, it's really a blessing. I mean, I was in my early twenties and I looked forward to sitting in a circle. And I, and I can't sing, you know. I mean, I just you know mumble the joyful noise. You know, what I'm saying, I try not to ruin everybody else's time. But my heart was just full of praise, and I'm thankful for it. And it really is a blessing. And that song that he just you know sang, I remember. I remember learning this as a baby Christian. Um, no matter what may happen, child, no matter what, you know, even if you do it wrong and miss the joy, what kind of a salvation would require that you do it right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, how, how great a salvation could you really have if you had to do everything right from the time that God saved you? What a miserable existence that would be. Now, God's not asking us, you know, there's a, uh, in fact, we're going to study it in the book of uh, Jude, the people that have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. America has turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. In other words, because of the grace of God, you can do whatever you want to do, and it's all covered by the blood. And if that's really your attitude, I don't think you're really a new creature. But thank God that we don't have a second chance, or third chance, or fourth chance, but that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Where would you be if he left you when you failed, honestly? And we do leave each other sometimes when we fail. You know, there's another song that basically um, says, it might even actually be another verse in that song. Um, uh, I know that all that you've known before, when you failed their expectations, they frowned and closed the door. And thank God he doesn't frown and close the door when we fail his expectations. But again, the promise of God in the book, in, in, the, in the gospel, what God is making clear to us is I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. I have come to live a perfect life and pay for your sins. And then in the book of Acts, so as the Father sent the Son, the Son sends the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And this is God living in us. And so in, in, in the first five books of our Bible, what we have is the purchase of our redemption, and then the pouring out of the Holy Spirit as a result of the fact that Christ is now glorified, sitting on the throne in heaven, and he sends forth the Spirit of God to live within his people, and it changed the earth. It changed everything, and thank the Lord for that. Then when you get to Romans, when you get to Romans, God begins in in the message of redemption, in that part where he explains what happened, and this is so important to you, how many of you understand everything that's going on in your salvation now? And the answer is none of us. And I, you know, I know that because the book of 1 Corinthians says, for we know in part and we prophesy or preach in part. We don't understand everything. But everything that you need to learn day by day by day, God is committing, committed to teaching you through the word of God and the Holy Spirit which dwells within you. And this we see happen in the book of Acts, but once you get to the book of Romans, God says, now let me explain, one book at a time, one part at a time, let me just build and build and build in your life an understanding of what I'm doing. And then the second section, because this is the third section, the reality here, the general epistles, the reality epistles, this is the third section. The second section deals with the leadership, um, the messengers of redemption. And what should the messengers be like? What are the qualifications for being a bishop? What are the qualifications for being a deacon? What are the qualifications to be in leadership? Because it does matter. And and one of the things that I remember uh, coming to an understanding of, I think after I was a pastor, was this. The office is more important than the individual. Do you understand? 
The, you know, uh, we, God is really good to us here. We have a really good church family. Um, I, I think it's accurate to say that uh, I'm reasonably well-liked even here in our church. But if I fail, if I do something that disqualifies me from being the pastor, it has nothing to do with whether you love me or like me. It has to do with the fact that you can't fail and be the pastor. Do you understand? The office is more important than the individual in the office. The office matters. The office of a deacon matters. It isn't, being a deacon is not a personality um, uh, contest. It's not a popularity contest. It's about being willing to be a servant of God and, and the qualifications that are laid out for us in this second. We're not going to go through all of that. But here we are here. So you come to, after you get through uh, the, the um, pastoral epistles, you come to the general epistles, and the first one is the book of Hebrews. Now what I'm going to ask you to do is go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. We won't be here long tonight, but I think this will be really helpful to you. I know I said this this morning. Young people, God is committed to your life. God himself is committed to your life. Your parents may well be committed to your life. Your teachers may be committed to your life. But more importantly than that, God is committed to your life. Now here we see, go to uh, Hebrews chapter 1 at the very beginning. And I want to just read a little bit. Starting in verse 1, it says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners, so God in different ways and in different times, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. So back in the Old Testament, God said a lot of things. But he has in verse 2, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom we have appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. We were talking about that a little bit this morning who, speaking of the Lord Jesus, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. I want to go back to verse 3 for a moment. And this is the phrase, I want, to just, I want you to hear this again when he had by himself purged our sins. When you get up in the morning, just, you need to dwell on that for a minute. By himself purged our sins. Listen, who, who accomplished your salvation? And the answer is Jesus. And who helped him? By himself. By himself. You didn't help him. The pastor didn't help him. Peter didn't help him. Nobody helped him by himself. This is our great high priest. This is our great high priest. I'm glad to point you to Jesus, but I'm not here for you to come to me as if I can do something myself. If you come to me, I will help you, but I will help you by pointing you to Jesus because you need to go to Jesus. He matters to you. He is everything to you. I will continue to, I don't know how much longer I will have an opportunity to preach and teach the word of God, but as long as I do, I will keep telling people, go to Jesus. Unsaved people, right? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Saved people, uh, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's all about Jesus. Cover to cover, morning to evening, week after week, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to the end of this book. We're not going to do this in every book. We wouldn't have time. Not even in this section, but I do want you to see this. So the beginning of this, Jesus by himself, by himself, purchased our peace. 
by himself. Now he's sat down. Now he's in a position of power. Now he's in a position of authority. Now he's in a place where he, as the high priest, can pour out into your life what you need in your life. Notice how the book ends in verse 20 and 21. I'm just going to read these couple of verses right now. 20 and 21, the very near the very end of Hebrews, uh, says this, Now the God of peace, what a wonderful expression of the God that America needs today the God of peace. If you are a new creature, then according to Romans chapter 5, verse 1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen? Does that sound committed? I mean, does that sound completely committed? By himself purged our sins, now working in you all of the time that which needs to be done in our lives. Honestly, amen, close your Bible, go home. Or amen, close your Bible, stand up and sing for an hour. What a tremendous salvation we have. And this foundation, this book right here, is so important because when you leave this book, right, just in my Bible, I just turned the page. I'm in chapter 13, I turned the page, and I'm in James chapter 1. And starting in James, God promises, based upon this truth right here, God makes two significant promises that have other promises associated with them. And you'll notice, if you notice, in the outline that I've made right here, James and 1 John. I've started to really truly understand, trying to see how these really fit together. And what I've come to realize is this. In James, God promises the living of our whole new life in our everyday life, right? So what's the promise of Hebrews? The promise of our great high priest mediating a whole new life. So our Lord Jesus Christ is pouring out, and this is really important. If you remember, the high priest in the Old Testament had two responsibilities. The first one was to take the offering from the people into God, right? They couldn't go in. He was the mediator. Once a year, he would go into the Holy of Holies with the blood of the Lamb, and he would go in there, and he would, and he would present that blood on behalf of the people. That's step one. But step two was, after that was received, he would come out from God to from God now. So he'd go from the people to God, and then he would come from God back to the people. And when he came out, he would come out to all of Israel, and he would raise his hands, and literally, now we can raise our hands if we want to, but nothing goes zoom out of it, okay? But when he came out, he would literally, in the name of God, pronounce a blessing on the nation of Israel that was a very real, powerful blessing. Based upon God receiving the offering for your sins, he's going to watch over you for this year. It's marvelous. Well, our Lord Jesus Christ is always there on our behalf. And here's the other part of that. He's the one always pouring out into your life what needs to be in your life. Living in you, pouring out in you and through you what he wants to do in your life. That's what we just saw. And so that new life, James says this, God promises that whole new life in your everyday life. 
Not for an hour on Sunday. Not for two hours on Sunday. Not for two hours on Sunday and one hour on Wednesday. God says when you wake up on Monday morning and face the most difficult day of your week, if it's the most difficult day of your week, when you're going through the most difficult things in your life, when you're sitting in the doctor's office, when you get that bill, whatever it is, when those things come to you, this is what God says, I'm right now, right now, pouring out a whole new quality of life into your everyday life. This is not something that God does every so often. Every moment of every day, God is pouring out a whole new life in your life. And we see that in the book of James. That's the first one. The second one is in 1 John. First, So here we have this whole new life in our everyday life. 1 John says this, God promises us a life, again, a life, walking in love and light. Here's what he says. I'm giving you a whole new power for your everyday life. I'm also going to say, let's walk together in it every day, all the time. Let's walk together, right? The whole point, the whole point, point of 1 John is this, fellowship with God. Walking, instead of walking in darkness, instead of walking in selfishness, instead of walking in ignorance, instead of walking in, in, in what I used to be doing, I now get to walk with God every day. Yes? I mean, we go back. We can, I don't have time to, to go look at these. If you go look at, at James, it's very clear that God wants in your everyday life to change your life. And then it's also very clear in 1 John that the promise of 1 John is, I want you to have a life walking in light and in, excuse me, in love and in light. God wants this for us in fellowship with him, pouring out a whole new life in your everyday life and walking in fellowship with him. That would be enough. But what he does here is he says, I want to zoom in. Now, I think if I'm correct, if I hit click, I think what I've done here is I have broken these sections out. So here's James. First Peter says, now let's talk about this everyday life. This everyday life comes with this promise, rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So your, every, your everyday life is meant to be a life rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. By the way, go read First Peter under terrible circumstances, under tremendous adversity, you go look at it, but you'll find this phrase, joy unspeakable and full of glory. God wants your everyday life to be full of... Now listen, I, I just got to ask you this question. Is your everyday life full of joy unspeakable and full of glory? And if the answer is no, then is there room for growth in your life? Do you see? Now, now does, by the way, when you have a life full of joy unspeakable and full of glory, does that mean there won't be tribulation or trial in it? No, that doesn't mean that at all. But that means in the trial... Not when the trial is over. Boy, how much we waste time in prayer asking God to bring us to an end of a trial that he's trying to do something in our life with. He does not want to bring you to the end of the trial. He wants to bring you to the end of you. That's the point of the trial. The point of the trial, why is it a trial? Because you're having a hard time. If you weren't having a hard time, you wouldn't consider it a trial at all. As God is working in us, what we begin to realize is this. There's a problem here. Still, there's a problem here. Anybody, anybody been saved for more than five years? Raise your hand if you've been saved for more than five years. Okay, put your hand down. Anybody ever get angry still? Raise your hand if you ever get angry still. Anybody ever get angry unto sin still? Because the Bible says be angry and sin not. Jesus can get angry and not sin. Apparently Chuck has a hard time with that. Less and less and less because of the power of God. This is what God wants to accomplish. The second thing he tells us 
is in uh, 2 Peter, building on this everyday life, the promise of growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. We see that what he wants to do is he wants to so change us that we live a life with joy unspeakable and full of glory, and we continue to grow. Now, this is really important. I used to say this wrong. I used to say this wrong. I used to say growing in grace and the knowledge, it's growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, not realizing that it's two different things. God wants you to grow in grace. What does it mean to grow in grace? What does it mean to grow in grace? Here's what it means to grow in grace. We're studying it right now in, uh, in the normal Christian life. Here's what it means. Grace is God doing for you something you cannot do for yourself, right? Nobody has any problem with that, right? Grace is doing something for you that you don't deserve. God doing something for you that you can't do for yourself. You don't deserve it. He just does it for you. Amen? So here's growing in grace is what? Coming to the realization that I need him to do more. So here's what growing in grace actually is. I go down, 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 down. It's worse than I thought it was. It's worse than I thought it was. I'm weaker than I thought I was. I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. I got no strength. I can't do anything right. That's what growing in grace is. Coming to the realization that I am not, I must decrease and he must increase because I can't and he can. And your life starts to be one. He gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. So as long as you think you, listen, I'm telling you, some of you here right now, some of you here tonight are wrestling with things in your life because you're wrestling with the things in your life. And as soon as you stop wrestling with them and hand them to Jesus and simply say this, this is too big for me. Anybody have a child? You know, um, I, I know I've said this a number of times. When, uh, when I was younger as a parent, if my children brought me something that they, that they broke and asked me to fix it, there's a decent chance that I could fix it as long as they would leave it with me and go away. And, our, and my children would bring something to me and say, Dad, I broke this. Can you fix it? And I'd look at it for a minute, and I'd say, yeah, I think I can. And they would go away. Listen, they would go away knowing that if they just go away for a little while and then come back, when they come back, I will have fixed it. And they wouldn't be surprised when they came back. They wouldn't stand there and say, no, 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 like this. Here, Dad, let me have it. Because that's not giving it to me. And that's exactly how our prayer life is. Lord, I need your help. Lord, Lord, I cannot do this. I need you to do it. Let me explain to you how. This is what I need you to do. If, if you're so smart, fix it. And if you're not so smart, let go and let him do it. And then go back to him and say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Again, thank you. That's what growing in grace is. But God doesn't want us to just grow in grace. That's not the only advancing in our life. It's also growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord. Now, why do we grow in the knowledge of our Lord while we grow in grace? Because he gets greater and greater and greater and greater over and over and over again. You know what? He's kinder than I thought he was. He's gentler than I thought he was. He's more patient than, he thought he, than I thought he was. He's far more patient than I could ever be. He's far more gracious than I could ever be. He is so wonderful. As you grow in grace, you will also be growing in the knowledge of how great our Lord Jesus Christ is. I mentioned before that there were two main promises and then sub-promises. The second one is in 1 John, the promise of walking in, in love and in light. And that brings us to the three that come after that. 2 John, 3 John, and Jude. And I'll just put them up here right now, and then we'll go through them. So, so we have in 1 John the promise of walking in love and in light. 
So this is our whole new life, right? We have a whole new life being mediated to us, and it's, and it's walking in fellowship. It's really important that you understand this walking in love and in light should say with God, probably. I just try to, I keep trying to make these a little shorter because it's like I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to help you by giving you something you can remember, but how much can you remember? It's like, oh, you know what? Here's a six-sentence phrase that really, really sums up this book, right? It makes it, so I'm trying to make it more simple. But it's important that you understand that this has to do with, this, this walking has to do with fellowship. A life walking is a life of fellowship with God in his love and in his light. And then doing it together. That's the other thing that comes up in this book, that we get to do it together. Then in 2 John, he says, let's zoom in a little bit. Now, these are very short. 2nd, 3rd, and John, 2nd John, 3rd John, and Jude are very short, right? We know that. And so he says, let's zoom in on this. And it, by the way, in, the, in these two, he even goes so far as to say, there's a lot more we could say, but you could just read 1st John. So look, look, he didn't say it that way. I'm telling you, you can just read 1st John. The promise of this, so in this, in this a sub, the promise discerning truth in love. This, do, this has to, a lot to do with growing. In the same way that we saw growing in the, in the uh, first section, we see it again here. How do I know what's true and what's not true? And the answer is, just walk with God. Just walk with God. Now, the Bible's very, here's a phrase that I remember learning as a reasonably young Christian. Jesus says, if any man will do the will of the Father, he will know the doctrine. Now, what he's saying is this. You don't know whether you can trust me or not. Some of you don't know whether you can trust. That's just Jesus saying. You don't know whether you can trust me or not. Here's what I'll tell you. If you're willing to do the will of God, then you'll know whether you can trust me or not. But you can actually take that statement and put anything following it. If you're willing to do the will of God, then you will know what you need to know, always. If you're willing to do the will of God, then you'll know what you need to know, always. And so what he's saying here is this. I want you to be able to discern truth. But this, and I know you say, well, you keep putting in love everywhere. You go read the books. Love is everywhere. Again, 1 Corinthians 13 makes it very, very clear that all of the knowledge, all of the ability without love is literally nothing. And so God includes them. He includes them. I'm not including them. You go look at them. They're in every one of these books. The promise of discerning truth in love. Then we have in 3 John, which we just looked at, the promise of hospitality in love and truth. And again, what we see is this. We find out that selfish people want to be important. They want to be the one that everybody's looking at, and they're not interested in helping others. And what God is saying is, no, no, help others. Help other godly people on their way. Well, if I help their ministry, won't it subtract from my ministry? Whose ministry is your ministry? Is it your ministry or is it God's ministry? Do you know that you'll never, ever lose by giving what God gives you to somebody else? You want to know why? Because you can't outgive God. If you will give what God gives you to somebody else, he'll give you something else. I really believe that one of the reasons that Christians have little running through their hands often is because they try to hold it. But if we would just be, you know, here's, oh boy, I'm going to, the phrase is liberal. I, you need to stop calling the left liberal. They're not liberal. They're thieves. They're taking your money and doing what they want to do with it. That's not liberal. Liberal is when you take money that's been given to you and giving it to somebody else. That's liberal. Christians are liberal. The left are thieves. And I know people are going to be mad for me saying that. That's what it is. We just got to be honest about it. And, you're, and you can't compliment them anymore for taking your tax money, which is not theirs, and doing what they want to do with it. That's not liberal. 
That's not liberal. When, when, when Simon takes the money that God gives him and helps John with it, that's liberal. Does anybody understand that? Anybody want to give me an amen for that? So, so God wants us to be liberal. He wants us to have hospitality. He wants us to take care of each other and others. He wants us to do that. The idea of helping the edge purchase a van is God's will. It is God's will that we, and I, we can't help everybody with everything, but we can help God with the things he burdens our heart about as a church. We can be involved in it. You say, well, will we have enough left? You'll always have enough left if you just say yes to God. God will always take care of you. That's what he wants us to learn here in this hospitality and love. And then finally, we get to the book that we're actually going to be studying on Sunday mornings. And this last book, which we're just being introduced to tonight, is The Promise of Sanctification. And by the way, it makes perfect sense that it's the last one before Revelation. Because notice what the promise is. Sanctification and preservation. God will keep changing you, and he will preserve you until it's time to go home. Isn't that wonderful? Doesn't that make perfect sense? He wants you to walk in love and in light with him, and he says, don't worry, don't worry. I'll keep changing you, and I'll protect you and keep you. There, by the way, there's a lot of judgment. We're going to see this in just a moment. There's a lot of judgment in Jude, but it's of people who don't want to be kept by God. It's of people who just want their own way. In fact, let's just, let's just turn from this. Oh, yeah, I had this, this right here. I don't know if this, this helps me a great deal. This is the way Dr. Sells used to do this. Dr. Sells would make a foundation. This is, if you can see this, this is like granite. So this is the foundation, and this is wood. So this is the superstructure, right? When you build your house, you lay the foundation, and then you build on it. And so what we have here is Hebrews is the foundation, and then these are built on top of that. And this, all this is is a layout. This is in one simple visual form, all of the reality epistles in one place. So Hebrews, and then James, and then First and Second Peter on top of that, and then First John, and then Second, Third John, and Jude on top of that. Do you see that? So that that helps me. This helps me a great deal. Now, I've had a number of you. I had people already today ask me, "Can you send me?" They wanted the last image. Somebody was writing it in their Bible. Can you send me that last image that you had up? I didn't get to write it all down. And this is really helpful to me. These things have, you know, these simple diagrams have always helped me. Seeing this in, in, in moving form has always been a great help to me, which is why I, I do it every so often. All right, now let's go from here <clears throat> into, uh, I think we're going from here. I don't know. All right, so now we're moving up to, uh, I don't know what, what happened. I moved too far here. I think we're in the right place. Key verses in Jude. So Jude so this is the central message of Jude, and then we're going to look at some key verses in Jude. We're just going to do this. We don't have to be here long with this, because we're going to actually study this now. Here's some things. If you want to write down some key verses, they're all going to be in chapter 1, as John pointed out this morning. He said, are we going to get past chapter 1 this morning in Jude? I said, probably not. For those of you that understand why that's funny, just open your Bible for a second. So Jude, verse 3, okay? Jude, verse 3 and 4. Beloved. When I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me that I write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is an important verse in this book. Luke chapter 
uh, Luke chapter 1, well, verse 8, verse 8 and verse 17, I'll read these to you. Likewise, also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. So this wants you to understand that God is going to sanctify you and preserve you, but there will be a vicious and dishonest attack on the church. And, we, and we're, I think we're just living in it. And then the last one, last uh, passage that I want to look at is, um, I think, I click... I click and nothing happens. The controller is blinking at me. Why is it blinking at me? What's wrong? What is this problem? Should I throw it? <laughs> now unto him that is this is this is a wonderful this is a wonderful way to uh, round out our look at this. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. You know it's funny because John uses this controller a lot, and he stands up here and he uses it for Sunday school every Sunday morning, and sometimes he clicks. And then he clicks again, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Can't you push the button? <laughs> so I use it once in three months, and we're going to get a new clicker next week. So, um... <laughs> all right, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to throw it. I'm just not going to use it anymore. If you can't push, you know, we only need one button. We just need to go forward, right? Okay. Uh, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen? So God is going to, he's going to, listen, sanctify us. He's going to preserve us. He's going to keep us. And he's going to get all the glory in our lives. Amen. And this is just wonderful. Now just a couple more things and we'll be done. And James, you may have to you may have to actually push the button for me. I'll just say button. Okay, so simple outline of Jude, button. Just go ahead and push it until the, there should be a couple more. Keep going. I'll tell you when. Keep going. One more and stop. Thank you. Okay, so this is a simple outline. You can see it right here. Them that are sanctified and preserved. Them that are sanctified and preserved, verses 1 and 2. And then it says, beloved, beloved earnestly contend for the faith, and we're going to have to earnestly contend for the faith. Then verses 8 through 16, unfortunately a very large section, those that speak evil, but it says, and I said, and are reserved. This is reserved to judgment. See, here we have those that are sanctified and preserved. Here we have those that are speak evil and are re reserved. So there is a reservation for those who want to continue living in evil. There is. There's a reservation for them, but it's not a preservation. It's just they are going to meet God, and he knows that they are going to meet him. And they can repent, they can be rescued, but if they will not, those that speak evil that will not repent will be reserved to judgment. And we'll see that when we get there. And then the last one is, beloved, build up yourselves in the faith. Here we have, beloved, earnestly contend for the faith. So what you know now, stay with it. And here, what you don't know, grow in it. Isn't that wonderful? So this is a simple outline, and you'll see this. is I mean, it's just really encouraging to me. Uh, button. I might as well put this thing down because it's not buttoning at all. Um, more buttons. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Oh, that's it. Okay, so I just want to point the prominent words. Prominent words in the book of Jude. 
Lord Christ God Jesus 22 times. That's a lot. That's a lot in these few verses, okay? But here's what you'll also notice. Ungodly, flesh, evil, lust, 15 times. That's unfortunate a lot also. Look at some of the other words that are going to show up. Condemnation, lasciviousness, denying, chains, darkness, judgment, fornication, vengeance, eternal fire, filthy dreamers, despise, brute beasts, corrupt, twice dead mockers. Do you think we need to be preserved? Do you think we need to be kept by God? It encourages me greatly that in the midst of a book that's full of such, such, such terrible attack against the truth that God promises to keep us and protect us. Not, listen, not just get us through either, to sanctify us in the process. We'll continue to grow. We'll continue to be able to live a life of joy unspeakable and full of glory all the way until the very end if we'll just walk by faith with God. This might be it. Uh, Button, please. That is it. Okay. I hope this is an encouragement to you. Again, if you put the two of them together, what we looked at tonight and what we looked at uh, this morning, if you put the two of those together, hopefully that'll be a real encouragement to you. 